Okay, let's, um, we did the Sermon on the Mount, um, the Beatitudes, and um, I, I left out those, um, blessed are the merciful, they will show mercy, and um, uh, I really don't have much more to add there, um, except that I think um, um, in the family, I think um, there is so much grace if we can offer each other mercy, and honestly, I think in families, it's maybe one of the greatest things that cause of suffering is the failure because we live so close in a family we see each other's every wart and it's the hardest place to have mercy which is to let people off the hook and not nail them and um, but anyway I think if you can show mercy to your sister or your mother or your father or your child um, or your spouse um, then the world will take care of itself <laughs> like you know like mercy outside the doors um, will take care of itself, but um, I think that, um, anyway, that's my little, um, you know, nobody can get me like my family, I know, and I can't, you know, I can nail them just the same way, and I, I sometimes really amaze myself that I can be so hard on my sister and so kind to strangers, you know, um, but for some reason she can really get me mad. And, and so I have no mercy for my family. And um, anyway, so throw that out there. I just want to say too, because sure. I just think mercy is such an interesting. I mean, it's one of God's biggest yeah. attributes, and it's such an interesting one for us because the other side of it, you know, it's weep with those who weep. Don't chastise them. Don't tell them what they could have done better. What they're going to do. Just weep with with uh-huh. them and rejoice with those who rejoice. And we don't often uh-huh. throw ourselves into rejoicing when somebody else gets something good without bringing our own. Right sort of baggage to it and you know I just think that that's a really powerful thing that's missing a lot in our community is rejoicing Rejoicing with with each other yeah yeah Yeah, without an agenda yeah Yeah. especially in Hollywood huh yeah yeah Yeah. um okay so we're going to end with salt and light here and um and would someone want to read um yeah from 13 to um let's see when does chapter five go through yeah we're not gonna get through chapter five we're just gonna start it and then we'll come back um but i just wanted to end with this kind of nice thoughts and then we'll pick it up uh, teaching on the law next time um but someone read please 13 to 16 through 16. you are the salt of the earth but if salt loses its taste with what can it be seasoned It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. Thank you. you know, one thing I just have to say right off the top is that you get right away now. This Jesus has just started his preaching. Um, we had the Sermon on the Mount, and then this is the first um, little speech here. And um, it is such strong language. You know, and I really think uh, one of the things that's missing in the church is, is the preaching is just not strong anymore. It's just like qualified <coughs> to death, and everyone's afraid. Jesus saying to them, if you lose your taste, you are only good to be trampled underfoot. How harsh is that? You know, that is pretty strong language. And so you could see the people like, whoa, um, this is not our typical scribal bureaucrat qualifying himself and being careful. Uh, so, so right away, um, the, uh, the power of Christ's preaching from just 
um, uh, from seeing the truth and saying the truth. And um, and he's not just kidding here. You know, uh, this is um, this challenge of if you lose your flavor, you, you have no use to be it's just thrown out, discarded. Now, um, one thing I want to say about salt, which um, uh, is I think adds so much light, you know, so much light to this passage. Uh, <laughs> salt doesn't just make things have a nice taste. It doesn't just bring out the taste. But salt preserves, and especially in this time, uh, salt was precious because they didn't have refrigeration, and so um, they needed to uh, salt things so that they could, um, you know, have a lot of food to eat for a long time. Um, they would salt their fish, especially in this region. <coughs> now, um, so so there's the two senses here. The Christian, you you are the salt of the earth. You, my followers, are the salt of the earth. So you're going to have two things. You are going to um, flavor stuff, or you're going to see not even flavoring. What what salt does when you put it in food is allows the taste that is already in the food to be accented. So salted broccoli doesn't taste like salt. It's just broccoliness. And potatoes, it's because potato-ness. Um, so a magnifier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It brings out the beauty <coughs> in <coughs> the things that it mixes with. So what does that say about us as believers, as disciples in the world? Um, our job, our principal job is not to preach here. It doesn't start with that, right? He says, you bring out the beauty in humanity. What do you think about that as a vocational call? Everyone that you encounter, your task is to reveal their beauty, to make it manifest, to point to it, to uncover it, to accent it. To, to clear off the cobwebs from it, to do whatever you have to do so that the person, that the idea that God fell in love with such that he had to make that thing is becomes um, evident to the world. That's what the disciple does in the world. We are the salt of the world. We just make everybody else's beauty show. And the other thing is no one takes a, you know, list tastes a good broccoli dish and says, mmm, salt. Mm. <laughs> Thank God we had salt. <laughs> right? The salt is lost. So in order for you to be a disciple, to bring about, to, to uncover the beauty in the people in the world, you will be lost. It's only noticed if there's too way too much. Right. Yeah. If we put too yeah, much salt in it, and then people or, notice or it. Or it's missing. Or if it's missing, yeah, yeah. right? Well, yeah. that's by its absence. Yeah. But I think, yeah. yeah, the point of if it gets to the point that your disciples make people think of you, um, you've blown it. Yeah, and and that that to me is also one of the, the huge problems with with Protestant um, evangelism, because I don't want all that salt that they're trying to shove down my throat. You know, and it, it really is. I mean, that's that's what they're trying to be. Is like, well, you know, if we can be there in the way that the, the that you described it was just, just you know just perfect. It's well, so true. You, you know, know, get them in the club first. You yeah. know, and, 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 and cover them. Yeah. You know, right. the, um, yeah. you know. I mean, I I I've heard of things where they would you know like on campuses where they would go and they'd spend you know time in their dorm you know like sleep in their dorm with them and they'd like be with them and 
you know, and it is, it's like a covering. It's, it's not a preservative oh. in that way, like you know, brand. at all. It's, it's, you know, but yeah, it's I poison, think, and then so. you see this temptation, and I mean, I could certainly find it in, in I'm sure, in the Catholic side too, but I'm a Joel Osteen yeah. person. I'm a Rick yeah. Warren person. I'm a John Eldridge yeah. person. And, and I think yeah, the personality thing where, where the, the people who are following, you know, it's, it goes back to St. Paul saying, I hear you saying, I'm of Kephas, and I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Paul. And he's like, has Christ been divided? You're not of us. Mm-hmm. And if you identify yourself by the, mis- the, the, the messenger of the gospel, then that man has failed, and um, you're, you're missing the point. So, so the idea of the apostle is to, of the disciple, is to be in the world uh, such that all the people around you, they will know there is a Christian in that, in that office or in that set because everybody else is, is like shining and no one's quite sure why it is. But you're doing it by your prayer, you're doing it by your little hidden sacrifices, you're doing it by pointing to them and then backing up. Um, you're doing it by exhorting them in a coolest way so that they don't even realize you just challenge them to do something great. To, to really, you know, that um, is the disciple. Salt um, as seasoning. Then salt as preservative um, is um, related. But the idea that um, the world would rot without the disciples um, in the middle of it, keeping it fresh, uh, keeping it, um, you know, keeping it of its nature, you know, uh, that it would rot. And so when Christ is calling us this, you know, you're, you're to accent and you're to keep it from rotting and decay. It's a very, very beautiful um, metaphor to be salt. Huh? But if you lose your color, you lose your saltiness, then you have no use. Mm. So then the question becomes, well, what's my saltiness? It's the Beatitudes. This is following on the Beatitudes. Yeah. So how do we get um, to use the word salty in a negative way, like the salty sailor? (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah, because they're putting they're putting way too much spice in their vocabulary. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Then the la- the second one here is the light of the world, and we end with this one. Um, so, so we're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. You are the light of the world. I think. Think of. I want you to think of a beautiful mansion house that is just in darkness, and there are people that are living in it. And then you come in and you shine this light and then think of the things that do happen and don't happen suddenly because you are in this house now. Um, People don't stumble over stuff because you are there. Um, They don't, um, they know what to reach for. So someone could be starving in a room and they don't even realize that there's food right there. And then you come in and now they know what to reach for. They know what to eat. They know what not to eat. You know, they gobble something down that's bad because they didn't have a light. And then you come in, no, no. That makes you sick. Um, people, um, another good thing that light does is it allows them to see the shadow side of things. In the complete darkness, 
you don't see any distinguishing. But if someone shines a light, suddenly you can see a shadow. So this is, I think, people in the world or movements or whatever, that the believer comes in and they manifest the shadows by their light. Um, the beauty. You know, there could be beautiful paintings on the wall of this house that would make the people have so much delight and joy and communion, right? And the believer comes in and points the light, and so they can see the footprints of God that they wouldn't have been able to see. Um, you know, and, and the meaning of life. So the thing of the light, you know, like think of bringing the light into just a person's darkness in all of these ways that would be to keep to help them see um, you know the things that they would trip on to help them um, see the things that they should eat consume and the things that they shouldn't to help them see um, where the, the pitfalls are and the, uh, the facets of things that they would otherwise not be able to distinguish um, and to help them see the beauty to help them see God's footprint um, that's what you do. Now, notice what you're not doing here. And, it, and you're not doing it in the saltness either. You're not making a single choice for them. You are not putting anything in their hands. You are come in and you reveal things. As, but you are the light. But that's it. In the way that God is light for you but doesn't force you, and that he clears, you know, blows the cobwebs out of your mind, um, you know, in in the, the ways he does it, through through the people that he loves, you know, through through love, through his word, through um, uh, your conscience, through um, um, uh, what's the fourth one? Word, conscience, people. Oh, through nature. You know, he speaks to you those ways. So um, think about that. To um, have in terms of the way you affect people, by your love, by your word, by the things that you do, um, you know, by appealing to their um, hearts. So that's be salt and light. That's the same thing with the lamp too. If um, there's a dark room and someone turns the lamp on, you don't say, "What a beautiful lamp!" Right? Oh yeah, like, very what good. What a beautiful room! Exactly. Unless it's a really nice. <laughs> unless it's a really cool one. Yeah, yeah. Right, no, it's done it's itself up it's, a little it's bit. It's a great point again. You know, it's like the the lamp. No one even notices the lamp. They notice the room. And again, that's the humility of the apostle, the disciple. So yeah, if people are staring at you in as the light in the room, you failed. Mm, that's a good point. Learned it from a Protestant minister. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Damn him. No, no. Okay. All right. So good. We will pick up um, next week. And the other thing is, so now you, so you, I guess you should read. Um, the, this, this is going to go a little slower only because this is the teachings of Jesus now. Um, and so we, we, um, we got a lot to cover. But I think I can certainly see us getting through next week, chapter six and seven. Um, so uh, feel free to read those again and then read De Verbum and we'll talk about scripture.